You know, let me just mention this uh, before I get into the message today, and that is this coming Friday, I'm going to be ministering for the singles. And so our singles uh, meet twice a month, once for a Bible study and once for an activity. And so you are, if you are a single adult, check that out. You can go on our uh, website. They also have a Facebook page, but um, I get the privilege this week of sitting down with them and sharing with them. So I'm looking forward to that on Friday night. So join us. It's right here at the church. Um, right now, though, let's take our Bibles. Yours might be an electronic device like mine or leather bound, but either way, let's take them. Let's hold them up. And let's say the words up on the screen preparing our hearts to receive this morning. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you once again that you change lives through the power of your word. Lord, your word is transformative. It transforms our lives, and we rely on it, Lord. Thank you for the truth that you bring to us today, and thank you, God, in this series. You are preparing us for what you have in store for your church in the years to come. And I thank you that this word prepares us to embrace that next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in this series right now called Miracles, and this is our second week. We just started it last week. And I want to share with you again, just take a moment to once again share with you the purpose of this series on miracles. You know, here at Faith Life Church, we believe that every series is a season. And I believe that in this season, God is preparing our church for what he's about to do in the church worldwide. I believe that just like there has been a pandemic that has spread throughout the world, there is coming a revival that's going to spread throughout the world. Now, now you hear me on this. This COVID-19 is not like just any other virus. There is an evil force behind this virus. It is evil. It's evil in the way it's spread. It's evil in people's reaction and responses to it. It's evil in its effects on people's body. It is evil. But if the evil can be spread like that, God can do something greater. And I believe that in this next season... God is about to, we're about to have a revival worldwide where God is going to literally sweep thousands of thousands of people into his kingdom. He's going to turn it around for good and work good out of what the enemy meant for harm. People want hope right now. They are more open than ever before to the gospel. This is a time when the church should shine. But here's what we know. One of the things, and we learned this from church history, one of the things that accompanies great revivals where there's many people coming into the kingdom of God, what accompanies that is an increase of miracles. Now listen, God's never stopped doing miracles. He's always doing miracles. But in certain seasons, he does an abundance of miracles. And I believe we're about to step into that season And God wants his church to be ready to embrace 
that season. And this church, we want to be in the middle of what God is doing. And we want to increase our expectancy for miracles in our lives, in our community, in our city. Come on. We believe that we serve a God who is a miracle-working God. So this series is prep. (laughs) It's prep. And so let's get into this message today. And I've simply entitled this message, Wonderful God. The reason God does wonders, the reason he works miracles, is because he is wonderful. And the more we believe that our God is wonderful, the more wonders we will see. And so I want to, though, go back, first of all, to a passage we read last week in Psalm, Psalm 136, verse 4. And here's what the psalmist says. It says, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Listen, our God is a miracle-working God. He does great things no one else can do. Come on. That's our God. And it says you got to remember that. And you got to give thanks to him for his miracles. I said it last week and I'll say it again. (coughs) Excuse me just a minute. It's not grammatically correct, but it gets my point across. And that is you simply can't out-miracle God. Yeah, you just can't. Medical science can't. Thank God for medical science. Thank God for inventions and things that help and and, and give people relief in life. Thank God for, you know, counselors and wisdom. You can't out-miracle God. Come on. Let me define miracle for you. We've given you four simple definitions. Here's the first one. A miracle is a wonder or a wonderful deed, a miraculous sign, an omen. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in, a, in human affairs. I like it when God divinely intervenes where he just steps in and does what no one else can do. And then in the New Testament, the Strong's Greek definition of the word miracles is that by which a person or thing is distinguished from others and known. Listen, what makes God God is he can do miracles. You know, people may think we're crazy for believing in miracles, but I think you're crazy if, you, if you're serving a God that can't do miracles. They're not God if they can't do miracles. They can't do something extraordinary and astounding and divine. They're not God. That's how he's known. He's known by his miracles. Miracle also, I love this definition from a Greek scholar, Sparozodiades. He said, miracles are a sign they are finger posts of God. Any of y'all use posty notes? I, I do sometimes. And now they even have them where you can put them on your computer, you know, electronic ones. And, and you put up those posty notes to remind you of something. You see, miracles are God's posty notes. He just posts them throughout the world so that you don't forget who he is. <laughs> And what he can do. And really, here's what he doesn't want us to forget. He doesn't want us to forget he's wonderful. You see, he doesn't do miracles so that 
because he has some ego problem and he needs people to worship him. Listen, if that was God's problem, he could make all of us worship him just like that. No, he wants your heart. So what he does is he shows you his heart by doing wonderful things. So then you embrace this God who can work wonders and this God who is wonderful. Wonderful God. Now, we also learn the purpose of miracles, and it's important that I just remind you of this. Especially, Listen, we don't want to do crazy. When miracles start happening, sometimes people go a little crazy, and they start chasing miracles. And they heard a miracle happen at that church over there. This, so then they leave their church, and they go chasing miracles. No, we worship the God of miracles. And we know the purpose of miracles. The purpose of miracles is not to draw you if you're an already a believer. You just go, yeah, that's God. And you praise him. You get excited about it. But here's the purpose of miracles. Acts 2.22. It says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. The purpose of miracles is to point people to Jesus. That's the purpose of miracles. Why are we going to have an abundance of miracles? It's because God wants to point people to the Savior. Wow. Miracles point the way to Jesus, and Jesus is the way to God. Come on, miracles point the way to Jesus, and then Jesus is the way to God. Let me also define the word wonder for you because we're talking about God being wonderful. And this particular passage here in Acts uses the word miracles and wonders. Throughout the Old and the New Testament, you'll see that the words miracle and wonder are used interchangeably. But let me just define the word wonder for you. It's something extraordinary, exciting, or surprising. Wow. And then how about the word wonderful? I love this definition. The word wonderful means marvelous, admirable, extremely good. Our God is extremely good. It's one who does extraordinary things. Listen, I think sometimes we can just get used to coming to church. And, and, and I'm glad church is a rhythm. It's a habit. It's a good habit. You know, but we can get in and just doing these things out of habit. And we need to remember that our God can do extraordinary things. And we need to believe him to begin to do some extraordinary things in this world. God wants us to increase our faith and lift up our faith to him and begin to believe him to do some things so that this broken world can see how wonderful he is and be drawn to Jesus and then find this wonderful relationship with God through the person of Christ. Our God is wonderful, extremely good. He does extraordinary things. Bottom line, we serve a wonderful God who does wonders and works miracles. That's who we serve. That's who we serve. And we got to begin to expect that he is going to show himself as that wonderful God. Hmm. The more wonders we see, the more wonderful God becomes. 
And the more wonderful God becomes, the more wonderful we'll see. I mean, the more wonders. Did I say that right? The more wonders we will see. Bottom line, God, he wants us to believe that he's wonderful. And he wants us to believe that he can work wonders. Can can you just believe that God can work a wonder in your situation? I I know some of you say, well, it'd take a miracle. Well, you've got a good God. And the truth is, and we talked about this last week, we talked about the greatest miracle is a transformed life. And you know, when you started living right and doing well, people said, now that's a miracle. Come on. Yeah, they said, that's a miracle. And I know there's some folk that you know, family, friends, and you said, oh, that, it'd take a miracle for them to come to Jesus. Well, that's it. Come on. God's going to do some miracles. Let's expect him to do it. Now, what I want to do today as we look at how wonderful God is, I want to take you to two miraculous events, one in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament. But as we look at these miracles, and these are miracles that we've talked about, told stories about, they're ones that we're familiar with for the most part. But today, as I go through these miracles, I want you to think about what prompted God to do them. Really, what prompted him is just his nature, his character. He's wonderful. And somebody believed that he was wonderful enough to do that wonder. And, and they followed him. They, they let, God could even reach them and say, say, I want to do something wonderful there. Because we can't do miracles. We've we got to find out what God wants to do. But if we don't even believe he's wonderful... Or that he does wonders. If our heart isn't expectant, can he even talk to us and tell us, I want to do a wonderful thing right there? I want to take you, the first miracle I want to take you to is in the New Testament. But just before we get into the miracle, let me set the stage. The resurrection of Jesus has just occurred. The disciples have seen him ascend into heaven. And then the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and the church was birthed and the church is on fire. They are preaching Jesus. They are seeing signs and miracles and wonders. And one day during this season, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. You know the story. There's a lame man sitting at the gate of the temple and he's asking for alms. But that day, that lame man got a lot more than some money he needed. That day, he got a miracle. That lame man got a miracle. Is there someone in your life who needs a miracle? Do we keep passing by people and never stop to even ask God, God, do you want to do something wonderful in their life? So let's read this story and Peter now reaches out to this lame man that's sitting there. Acts 3, 6, it says, But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. All the people 
saw him walking and heard him praising God, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw this opportunity. Can I just say those words again? Peter saw this opportunity and he addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? Now, here's the first thing. I've already alluded to it a little bit, but the first thing I want you to make sure you see out of this miracle. Peter and John didn't just see a lame man, but saw an opportunity for a miracle. They saw an opportunity for a miracle. Folks, there's a lot of broken lives out there right now. Can we just ask God to help us to see them differently? Really broken lives are opportunities for God to work miracles. I admit sometimes... Even as a pastor, I've been kind of overwhelmed at times and seasons with people's brokenness. Because I think, God, they need healing. But they need help, and it's beyond my control. It's, it's beyond my ability. I can love on them as pastor. I can serve them. But God, as always, we need you. Can we, instead of just that person's broken, or instead of getting fearful over their brokenness or letting their brokenness intimidate us, can we just say, God, you want to do something wonderful? You want to do something wonderful right there? You're wonderful. I mean, why did God heal that lame man? So Peter and John could preach a message? No, he healed that lame man because he wanted to do something wonderful for that man. Because he loves that man. And, and he was looking for somebody that would help that man believe him. He was looking for somebody who would work Believe him to work a miracle. Now, Peter and John believed in miracles. They've just seen the resurrection of Jesus. They are, they are ripe for a miracle. Come on, will you and I have Jesus living within us? We have the resurrected Lord living in us. They believed that the power in the name of Jesus could cause a miracle. And it says immediately when Peter reached out his hands, it says that his feet and his ankles were strengthened that's a miracle an instant healing right there and then you know what it, what happened all the people began to says they were astounded they saw this man that they knew he was lame he'd been there for 40 years we learned later and they thought that's the same guy and they ran to where Peter and John were now come on when a miracle happens and people gather we know what to do the miracle got people's attention and Peter sees the opportunity because what's the purpose of miracles point people to Jesus miracles get people's attention and give us the opportunity to preach Jesus. And when we get to tell them how wonderful God is. Now, you know what happens. And can I tell you, this is going to happen in this next season. That God, when God increases his miracles, there's going to be some people who aren't happy that God's doing something wonderful. You know, we just quite don't understand it because we don't think that way. And I'm glad we don't. But some people get 
just upset that something wonderful happened to a lame man. And that's what happened with the religious leaders. But what happened is, is they don't want to lose control. And so they bring Peter and John in, they arrest them, and they talk to them. But listen what happens next. Verse 16, it says, Acts 4, 16, it says, What should we do with these men, they ask each other? We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Hmm. Let us think this through. Verse 20 We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Wow, that is wonderful, folks. And it's just, it will be hard for us to fathom that some people are so upset that something that wonderful happened to a lame man. That's crazy that you would be upset. That's how evil religion can be. Now listen, here's the truth. Miracles are undeniable and uncontainable because they are so wonderful. Yeah. yeah. You can't deny a miracle when God does it. You can't deny it. You can't contain it because it is absolutely wonderful. And they really didn't like it because the miracle was pointing to Jesus. was pointing to the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. God is so wonderful. Then in Acts 4.29, I love how the apostles respond. When they let Peter and John go, they went back to their own company and they prayed. And here's what they said. He said, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Wow. Can we just acknowledge this today, church? There is miracle working power in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need to use that name. You know, it's just, a, you know, on Facebook, social media, other places now, it's just habit, you know, people put the little praying hands. And God's really gotten on to me. You know, we'll tell people, oh, I'll pray for you. You know, I, I don't say that flippantly. If I'm not going to pray for you, if I'm not going to stop, if I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to say that as some cliche. Well, I'm praying for, no. Am I praying for you? Do I believe in the power of prayer? And so I make sure if I say I'm praying for you, I'm going to pray for you because prayer is powerful. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, miracles don't just happen. Jesus is preached first Jesus is preached then miracles follow and I'll say this if the church wants to see miracles the church must preach Jesus we're not preaching miracles 
We're preaching Jesus. And then we just need to ask for boldness to continue to preach Jesus. Now, now here's what we, we like the miracles, but we don't like the threats. Because they threaten them, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore. But folks, here's the truth. Maybe I should say the facts. When something that wonderful is happening, the threat just doesn't hold much weight anymore. Come on. We see Jesus do such wonderful things. You threatened me? Did you just see what God did? I'm hanging with him. Because you can't do what he just did. Wow. Our God is wonderful. Now, let's go to another. I don't have very much time here to get through this other one, but you're familiar with it. Well, let me just say this. Miracles are God saying, I am here and I want to do wonderful things. Now, let's go to a miraculous rescue. I got, I got to get through this here this morning. How much time do I have? I have about, let's see, I have about 10 minutes, so that's good. I have 10 minutes to go through the rest of the Bible. Uh, a miraculous rescue. I want to go back to the Old Testament. Many of you are familiar with this, so I don't have to uh, talk a lot about all of the surrounding information on this, but let me just set it up by saying this. The three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, are in Babylon. Israel has been defeated. Many of the Israelis are exiled to other nations, and these three men are in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar gets a little arrogant. He builds this wooden idol, and he tells everybody that they've got to bow down and worship this wooden idol. Well, these three Hebrew children say, we're not worshiping any other god but the god of miracles. And you know what happens? And King Nebuchadnezzar says, let's throw them into the fiery furnace. And let's pick it up there. They're, they've been thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3, verse 23. It says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. Hey, can you imagine what Jesus was talking about with them? Now, that, that'd be quite a conversation in the fire. Listen, can, can I just make sure you understand this? When you're in the midst of a fire, talk to Jesus. Expect him to show up. and t He won't just show up. He'll talk to you. He'll get you walking around in the midst of the fire. Come on. And he said, and the fourth looks like a god. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. I almost think, think I wish the Lord would have let him say, no, hold on a minute. We're talking to the Lord. We'll be with you in a second. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Now, can we just... Stop for a minute and say, isn't that wonderful? That because three young men decided not to bow down 
God showed up and miraculously rescued them. How wonderful. We can't just tell this like it's a Bible story in the sense that we think it's a fairy tale. No, this really happened. And it it was now with the lame man, the whole city of Jerusalem knew about it. Now a whole nation is seeing the power of God. Folks, I want our whole nation to see our God but we're going to have to stand up and worship him like we have never done before now I'm not saying that we got to be vocal uh, and don't understand when I say vocal be vocal about the right things not just about anything be vocal about the right things God made himself known here's what we learned from this worship breeds miracles In this next season, we want to see an increase of miracles. We need to worship God. God shows up when we worship him for who he is. Wow. And the truth is, God can deliver us from any fiery furnace. If God can keep us safe in the fire, he can keep us safe anywhere, rescue us from anything at any time. And can I just remind you of this? If you're a believer, he's already rescued you. He rescued you, the Bible says, out of the dominion of darkness and translated you over into the kingdom of his dear son. Folks, act like you've been rescued. You are not the victim. You have been rescued out of the enemy's hands. And if a whole nation was excited because God showed up and rescued three young men from a fiery furnace, the church, we know, and we ought to get excited when someone walks these aisles or we hear of someone having their life transformed. We say there was another rescue. God delivered them out of the kingdom of darkness. And we come out, come on, not even smelling like smoke. God can restore everything the enemy stole from us while we were over there amen now listen when we worship God he does wonderful things he's a wonderful God listen to then what happens what Nebuchadnezzar goes on to say Daniel three twenty eight. it says then Nebuchadnezzar said praise to the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him they defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own therefore I make this decree if people whatever their race or nation or language speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be burned into heaps of rubbles. Now now listen, here's the statement I want you to get. There is no God who can rescue like this. That's our God. That's our God. God rescues those who put their trust in him. You know, perhaps we haven't seen more miraculous rescues because we've forgotten just how wonderful God is. And why did he rescue these three Hebrew children? He didn't rescue them just to show Nebuchadnezzar that he was God. He rescued them because he loved those. Those were my three boys. And then he also did it in the midst of rescuing his three kids. He knew he was going to turn an entire nation around. Wow, folks, can we believe that our God today can still 
turn entire nations around. He can do something on a national level that will get people's attention. Yeah, will everybody come to him? Probably not, but a whole lot will. And then they can't deny it, and it will be uncontainable. Listen, there is no other God who can rescue like this. There is no other God who does miracles like this. Wow, I I love Psalm 17. i got to get busy and close here because I've got a couple more scriptures to share. Psalm 17, 7 says this. Hear me. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. Folks, there's a lot of enemies out there in the world. And do you know one of our major enemies right now? Really two of them. Actually three. I'm going for three. There's deception. There's fear. And there is discouragement. And all three of them work together. If he can deceive you, he can get you into fear. And if you're in fear, you're going to come discouraged. But God will rescue you from your enemies. Now let's wrap this up this morning. I'm going to wrap it up by saying this. Don't forget the miracles. Let's go back to a psalm we read last week, Psalm 106, verse 21. They forgot, or, or, let me just read it. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt. Mm. They forgot him. Have we forgotten the wonderful things that God has done in our life? Have we forgotten that the Savior redeemed us out of the dominion of darkness and brought us in? Listen, if he can do that, he can do anything. He can save my life now. He can help me in the midst of the pandemic. He can help my family. Don't forget the miracle he did, which is Christ living in you. Psalm 78, 7. This is the one I read last week. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. You know here God says that he equates obeying his commands to not forgetting his miracles. How many times did the children of Israel forget who he was? And when they forgot who he was, he no longer could be that to them. God says, don't forget who I am. As the church, we must not lose sight or forget the miracles that God has done. God's miracle working power. Let me close with this. I'm going to close with this. It's found in the New Testament. I want to speak this to you as believers. If you're not a believer, you can become a believer this morning. Romans 8.31. Paul has been talking about all that God has done for us in Christ. Making us new. Conforming us into the image of his son calling us to himself, and then he makes this statement. Listen to it. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I tell you what, let me just end with this. Our God is for us. He is wonderful, and he does wonderful miracles. Amen. Did you get something out of that this morning? I pray that you did.